welcome to the Missouri Valley's Mobilizing Voices for Change. I'm Kelly Burke, and joining me tonight is a familiar face for Missouri Valley fans. Derek Dockett is the former MVC Associate Commissioner for New Media and Technology, and currently he is Director of Marketing for the Wentzville School District. Derek, great to see your face. Great to catch up. I'm looking forward to this. How are you? I'm doing good. It's good to see you again, Kelly. Uh, it's uh, it's definitely been a change of pace for me not being there, and especially in the thick of basketball season. I definitely keep up with everything, of course, uh, as people probably know from following me on Twitter, but uh, uh, I definitely still uh, keep the Valley close at heart. Yeah. We certainly miss you, but we are, are glad to see you thriving. And uh, you have some exciting news, which I'm sure you'll share later on this podcast as well, just uh, some personal news. So let's start, though, with current events. We are taping this about a week after the Capitol protest. Wherever you were, however you found out, what was your reaction when you actually started to witness exactly what was going on? I was at work. I was at my desk. Uh, I actually have this routine when I uh, am doing projects uh, in my office that I have a earbud, an earbud in one ear and I'm either listening to a podcast or, you know, local radio or something like that. And I was listening to actually uh, a, a stream online and they broke in with news. Mm -hmm. And I was like, wait a minute, what is this really happening? Um, so I uh, switched it over to uh, YouTube and, and picked up some live streams from some news agencies and then was kind of just sort of like stuck, <laughs> kind of like, is this really happening? Is this going on? And I'll admit I was distracted for a good amount of time. I, I, I was not getting everything done that afternoon that I wanted to get done. And uh, we started discussing it in our office. I, have, I shared office space with uh, three other people um, and was was uh, just sort of just in, in disbelief of what was going on because it's not something I've ever experienced. You know, you talk about historical things that have happened and we've experienced September 11th and all kinds of things. And you think, you know, the Washington DC be one of the most secure places and something as unfortunate and tragic, tragic as that uh, would never happen, but uh, it did. And it just sort of was, it, it made me pause a lot and I came home that evening and still took it in a little bit and was just sort of like, okay, now what? And just sort of like, you know, I, I realized I'm on the peripheral of it. And uh, that, and that's sort of how I approach politics. I stay informed, but I tend to sort of keep things close to the, to the chest. Um, but yeah, it was, it was surprising and shocking. And as I'm sure it was for a lot of other people too. It's obvious coming out of that moment that you're a country right now that's really deeply divided. So where do we go from here? Yeah, that's a good question. I, I, I'm, I text a, a friend of that question all the time and I'm typically a glass half full kind of person. I always like to look for the positives and things. And I, I try to talk him off the ledge. I'm like, hey, at some point we'll get through this. I mean, this country has been through things in the past and we found our way. And as divided or as stressed or as dark as times may seem, there's always some way that we navigate through those rough waters and we come out of it and we find something positive in it. And we find something positive to grab hold of and go forward with it. So I'm still hopeful in this situation that'll happen. Um, it's kind of tough to see because you see how people feel right now 
and what they believe. Uh, and you think to yourself, I'm not sure how we, you know, go forward, but I, I truly do think there will be a way forward through this. I don't know how, uh, but, you know, at the same time, there will be a person, there will be a figure that, you know, that may rise above this, that becomes a figurehead and someone that helps unify people. You know, we have yet to see who that person could be identified as, but maybe that's a situation that happens. Maybe there is, you know, something externally outside of all this that then unites the country and then brings us back together. You know, I mean, it, any anything, definitely anything could happen because we never knew we'd get to this point as a country, but, you know, hopefully something positive that we don't know, we don't see happening could come out of it too. I, I like, and I appreciate your optimism. The Capitol Police have been under a lot of scrutiny for their handling of the protesters who breached the Capitol, yeah. specifically the, the lack of force that was used on those specific individuals that were looting and rioting. What interpretations can be drawn from that day and that handling? Well, man, I, honestly, I think it's going to depend on perspective because I mean, I saw, I, I obviously I'm on social media a lot and you see one person's perspective of uh, how they thought police handled it. And they may have thought, man, they, they showed great restraint and they did because there was not, it could have been a whole lot worse. There could, there could have been many more lives lost and no one wants that. But at the same time, you know, any other police force, how they handle a situation like that in another community um, and that's what I saw. And that was one of the takeaways where it's like, wow, you know, when someone's protecting peaceful protesters in one situation versus armed protesters in another situation, you know, is there a double standard? Is there, you know, are, are they looked at the same way as in an apples to apples conversation? Um, I, for one, uh, am definitely thankful that there are not many as many lives lost. I'm, I'm, it's unfortunate that there were lives lost and I've, I've read that and it's it's not great. You don't ever like to see that. Um, but at the same time, people are people. I mean, we should all care for each other uh, as best we can and not take our lives for granted regardless of where you come from or where you live or whatever it might be. Um, so I, I, I look at it as they're trying to do a job and you hope that they all have great intentions of doing their job. Um, but at the same time, man, you just think, is there a bad apple in the bunch? You know, I mean, I don't know that, but I put faith and I put trust in those people to do the right thing and protect lives. Just like I put faith and trust in my local police department to do the right thing and, and protect lives of the innocent. So um, it's, it's, it's tough, it definitely is especially being a person, a minority, a person of color, and you see uh, some of the different things out there. Um, but yeah, it's, it's, it's perspective. I definitely wanna, wanna make sure I say that because my perspective is, wow, <laughs> would it have been the same? Like, I, that's the one thing I, I took away. Would it have been the same? I'm glad you brought that up because I, I, think, I think that's a very valid and fair, fair point and for, fair way to feel. Um, I, that's certainly something I, I've talked about in the last week with a lot of my Black friends um, who are feeling the same way. And obviously their experience um, specifically with police is different than mine as, as a white woman. But how fair is it to, to make comparisons to the handling of BLM protests from the summer 
and any perceived disparity in the use of force from one event to the other? Yeah, that's a, that's a good question. Uh, and I'll preface that by saying, for one, I've I've never been I've never been out protesting anywhere. Uh, I, I haven't been on those lines. I'm sort of like I said, I'm sort of a stay informed, take it in. And I, I think people that know me, I'm not a boat rocker. You know, I, I, I definitely uh, am someone that likes to keep a wider perspective. But the one thing, the one thing I definitely wanted people to know, especially for me, someone that grew up in the city of St. Louis and then went to high school in the suburbs. And now here I am living in the suburbs after going to college in Springfield, Missouri. I've seen a, a big wide gamut. Like my life hasn't been one where it's just been one side or the other side. I have a little bit of a wider perspective. And it's more of, are people listening to each other? Like we can talk and we can talk and we can talk, but are the people that are doing lots of talking, are they listening to the other side? And the folks that they're talking to, are they listening? Um, and when I say listening, I'm, I don't mean just sitting there and yeah, I'm listening to you. No, actively taking in emotions and information and perspectives of how they feel. Um, so going back to, to your question, yeah, it, it, it's it's tough, and I don't I don't I don't know how you could, you know, rightly portray it in one way or the other because. Again, people's perspectives are different. I, I can't sit here and say, I know how people in Ferguson, for example, feel because I didn't grow up there. I, I'm familiar with that neighborhood and that area of St. Louis. I grew up in North County, but I wasn't there. I live way out in the suburbs in a different county. Um, so I can't sit here and say, I even know their perspective. You know, I managed to you know, work my way up through a career and a job and you know I look at things in a different light those folks are struggling and they struggle a lot and I feel that because my family you know as I was going to I saw the similar struggle um, I'm I'm thankful that my family saw it where it wasn't more of you don't have to do this you know you you could be set up to do something special and great and that's the way it always has been from generation on. And I'm the youngest of a generation. And uh, I'm, I'm thankful for like, I've got a whole collection of aunts and, and they, they're like four different moms outside of my mom. And they constantly tell us, you don't have to be that you could, we, you could set yourself up for more than just being, you know, what you see, and, and settling. So um, I'm, I'm rambling here, but it, it's a long way of saying, like I said, again, perspective, um, and it, it's just a, a different for everybody. Yeah, no, and I, I think you hit the nail on the head. I think there's not really a right answer to that question. It's like you said, it's just what your own experiences and how your own experiences have shaped that because everybody's side is valid. Right. Yeah. Derek, there's a, a lot of gray area right now between the battles and divide we are all facing. Just because you support the message of Black Lives Matter doesn't mean you can't support the police. Just because you're Republican doesn't mean you're not against racial injustice. There are a lot of truths that we are trying to make mutually exclusive, but they aren't and they don't necessarily need to be. How do we reconcile that and find a common ground? 
Well, for one, it definitely goes back to that listening thing. Um, I often wonder, my, my wife's grandmother grew up in the era of um, the struggles of, you know, minorities having the right to vote um, and, you know, just everything that, 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 that they dealt with, like everything from a civil rights perspective. Um, and she, to this day, talks about some of those stories uh, and it, it, it makes me stop and think because when I sit and I think about, man, like voting, for example, and you think, oh, it would, what a lot of the talk in 2016 and 2020 was, you know, picking the lesser of two evils, or I'm not going to vote because it doesn't matter. Well, I sit and think, and I hear from someone that fought that was out and in that era of, we didn't have the vote, but we fought for it and, and we got it. I feel an obligation at that point that I need to go out and vote because of knowing that there were people before me that fought for me to have that right. Yeah. Um, man, I, I don't know. I, I struggle a lot because I'm, again, I'm someone that looks at it from both sides, but I understand where I come from. I understand where others come from, mm -hmm. but I don't know if others truly do understand. And that's why I appreciate the project here that the Valley's doing, yeah. because it can share that perspective of, oh, so that's what they're doing. That's what they dealt with. Um, just simple things like that could could help, uh, you know, shed light and, and inform because it, it comes in all different shapes, sizes, shades of gray, shades of brown. Um, me, someone that lives in the suburbs, that's an African-American versus someone that lives in the city versus a rural white American versus, uh, you know, you yourself. I mean, you know, it's, it's, it's all different. All, we're, we're all different, have different perspectives of it. Um, but I don't know truly, truly if people uh, understand that and if they're willing to understand it. Um, yeah, I don't know. <laughs> the, your, your questions are great. And I'm like, I said, I'm, I'm rambling, but no, I think, but you're making, are, you're making good things, points. Yeah, they're, they're just things I think often about, but you don't know, because these are these kind of types of conversations are dif difficult for people to have. Yeah. Um, and a to have a willingness of people to discuss them is really important. Um, but like I said, at the same time, you just, you just wonder if people really do truly understand and feel the emotion and uh, the background of what people have dealt with in their past to get to where they are. Mm -hmm. Let's dig into the, the willingness for a second. And, and I'll just use myself as a personal example because that's what I can specifically speak to. My family, there's people on both sides. So, you know, I have family members and relatives that voted for both candidates. Sure. And I, I think that's probably, it's, it's natural for some families. Um, so there's these completely opposite sides, completely different sides. And going back to the willingness thing, how does someone like me with, when I'm speaking to a family member or a relative that is on the opposite side of what I believe or you know how maybe I, how I voted, how do I get them to be open to listening to the other side? That's the biggest thing that I found is that I, you know, I'm open to listening to both sides, but I don't think at heart a lot of people are. 
And that's been the biggest challenge that I've had as a white person is getting people in my own family, some of them, some of them, some of them, it's, it's not an issue at all, getting them to listen to different sides, but some of them, it's really hard to get them to listen to something that they may not agree with. So before I answer that, I'll, 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 I don't want to throw me to throw another question back at you, but sure. remember before the political landscape sort of became so volatile to where we are now, talking about politics wasn't always something that was so open or so it wasn't always a thing like you people weren't always willing to say I know who I'm voting for and voting for this person and, and granted social media has done a lot of that like yeah, people sure. now that's how they show their support for candidate a or candidate b is you know they show their support by retweeting because they want to help the fundraising cause or whatever it might be um but in the past and th there wasn't a big thing like you didn't sit around at thanksgiving talking about politics or talking about what was happening in the country because i don't say it was taboo but you just it just wasn't something that was always done you just sort of you know you voted and you said you voted you moved on some of that still exists i mean i me and my coworker sometimes you know it it comes up and we just talk about how disappointed we are or where the country is and we may have say i don't mean to offend you but you know and you, you say how you feel in a little, you know, very soft-spoken kind of way. Yeah. Um, but you, 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 you figure out how people feel. Um, so how to get people to listen? And they, they gotta, they, they've got to want to. Yeah. I mean, you've got to have an open mind. If they don't, I mean, you're, you're fighting an uphill battle. That's just the honesty of it. But at the same time, there's the respect factor. And... That's something I think a lot of people don't get is that um, you can want to share your, your thoughts and your perspective with people, but doing it in a respective manner, that's what's gotten me. So like, I'm not a political person at all. Like I, I don't, my Twitter feed is clear <laughs> of, of politics, um, but when people want to talk about it, like resorting to the name calling, resorting to calling one side this or the other side that, well, that's just not helpful. And the discussions can be civil. Like for example, what would probably happen in a college classroom talking about political science? I guarantee there are civil discussions happening about politics in several different settings. Well, we've got to find those kinds of settings. Um, it's sad when you hear people, you know, they say I talk politics at family gathering or whatever it was, and now I don't like Uncle A or Uncle B, or I'm, I'm not Facebook friends with them because they're sharing things. That's your family, though. <laughs> I mean, that's your family. Um, that's, that's disheartening, but it, it's a two-way street. I think it goes with respect and restraint um, and open-mindedness. Um, I can, I can honestly say in my lifetime of voting, I've never voted single party in, you know, a presidential election, a governor's election, a mayor, you, you name it. Yeah. I, I'm a mixed bag. Yeah, me too. Uh, for, for various reasons, um, because you have, you, you vote with how it would affect you. I mean, different elections mean different things. Um, and the, on elections, definitely, I want to tell people when I talked about my story of talking about my wife's grandmother, the right to vote, voting is important. No matter who you vote for, people should know voting is important. Mm -hmm. um, and 
going the next level to that voting in your local elections are important because that affects your day to day daily life even more than voting in a presidential election. Um, so definitely if that's my public statement, if that's my PSA for coming out of this, it's that. Um, but again, it's, it's the open-mindedness, it's a two-way street, hear where they're coming from and they'll hear where you're coming from. Even if you think their point is nonsense or it makes no sense or they're closed-minded, you know what? I, I can almost guarantee you, and this, I would take politics out of it. When I've had a discussion with someone about, you know, uh, a graphic design idea or uh, a concept, a creative concept, I hear their point of view and I may take some things away from it that, oh, that's a great idea. And I'm gonna merge that with my idea. Oh, what do you know? We came together, we collaborated and found something. What's to say that that couldn't happen in this scenario? So uh, I don't know if we can ever get again. Can we get back there? I hope so. I, I mean, I, you know, and I and to clarify too. It's it's it, when I try and broach these conversations or encourage, you know, these conversations. I'm not doing it with the intent to change the other person's right. mind. I'm just doing it, asking them, would you consider listening to this? And it doesn't even have to be, you know, these podcasts for the Valley, the, the, for this one Valley initiative. It doesn't even have to be something that I put out, just have a conversation with somebody on the other side or look, find something you can listen to on the other side and, and just listen to it. And then, and you, know, you know, the other challenge with that is what I said earlier, they're difficult conversations. Mm -hmm. And sometimes people don't like to have those conversations because they're afraid of how, what comes out of it. But what I've learned, and we've done some of this in, in the school district where I work, we started having that. And I'll preface it by saying, uh, I work in a school district where there aren't a lot of minority students and minority staff, um, but we're adults. You can have these things in a civil manner, uh, especially when you realize it's for a greater good. So open-mindedness, you know, make it a two-way street and just, you know, my thing is, if I can show them respect, they'd be more willing to show me respect and, and share the time and share the space. And hopefully something positive would come out of it. What role does the mainstream media have in contributing to the divide in this country? Definitely, definitely part of it, because I, I mean, obviously, we people get their their news from lots of different, uh, lots of different places. Uh, I am someone that I tend to take it in from a lots of different places and a lot of different ways. Uh, I, I, I'm a social media person, of course. So I, I definitely, you know, I, I see a lot of it. <laughs> it's a lot of noise. Um, and you've got to just take a step back, you know, and I think that's, that is one of the problems, you know, we've got different perspectives and, and different news agencies that may skew one way or the other. Um, I, I wish people would think a little bit more critically um, of, you know, what they're taking in and how they're taking it in and then what it means to them. Um, just because network A says it, that doesn't make it the gospel. And just because network B says it in a different way, doesn't make theirs the gospel. Uh, and I think that's part of uh, it, it's it's part of the problem. I mean, I'll just say it, it's part of the problem. Um, I, <laughs> I I would hope that we can figure out a way 
And this is probably gonna be more just for the future. This is more for our young adults. Uh, critical thinking, so important. I mean, being able to look at information and decipher it and look at it from a various different, you know, different places and making sense out of it. Mm -hmm. um, I, I don't know if people do enough of, you know, finding it out for themselves. And social media is part of the problem because we want information, we want news right away. We don't have a lot of time. We're yeah. moving in a faster paced uh, time here now. And it's easier to hop on and get on Facebook and you see something that's shared by someone that you like, someone that you respect, a family member, whoever it might be, and you take it and you run with it. Well, pause. <laughs> I mean, we're, we're, we're sports people here. And, you know, we, if we see that, you know, Bradley beat Northern Iowa 74 to 54, well, it's a score. It's a fact. It is what it is. There is no, there's not another network that's going to report, hey, Northern Iowa beat Bradley 64-62. And, you know, it's, it's not going to be a skewed, you know, it's, it's fact and it's cut, it's black or white. Well, we don't live in a black and white world with the rest of it outside of sports and it's shades of gray. Um, so it's uh, that, that critical thinking piece. And that's something I've said to friends before. I'm like, man, I, I hope our, our young adults, our youth can do that effectively and can do it with a more discernible eye uh, because so, social media is a thing. Now, the, the generation has stepped away from Facebook. They're using other digital platforms. So, um, I don't know if that'll, you know, we'll start to see that trend change a little bit. Uh, but yeah, it's, it's not a good situation because you've got, you know, money driving it and personal interests driving it. It's just not helpful. Yeah. Well, and it, you know, going, going into the social media thing for a minute too, I read something the other day when you think about it, social media, you look at the algorithm a lot of, you know, let's take Facebook, you're, the algorithm is feeding you stuff that most of the time you're agreeing, you know, like it, you're liking posts. And so you're seeing over and over again, a lot of times stuff that you agree with. So you're not seeing stuff necessarily from the other side. It's just feeding you sort of what you want to hear. And that's the algorithm. And so Absolutely. that's part of the problem. Yep. Yep. I, uh, I recently took a step back from Facebook I still have the account, but I don't have it on my phone. And it was more of, eh, I don't manage an account that I need to be on it checking for comments all the time. Mm -hmm. uh, so it was a good way for me to back away from it. Um, now I still use it because I want to keep up on friends' birthdays. And that's an easy way to do it. And there are other things I go on there for. But I realized uh, my feed, and I'm glad you said that because literally my feed is full of sports clips and like funny videos and yard work videos because those are things that I clicked on in Facebook in the past and it's it's made an algorithm for me. Yeah. It's not full of even one side of the aisle politics or the other because I don't click on political things in uh, on, on social media. Um, so that's one thing like it's 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 a feed for me. I shudder to think with someone else's feed that they have been clicking those things left and right or commenting, they, they're engaging with them. Yeah. Um, that's, that's the more troublesome part. And that's the challenging thing to see if we can sort of figure out of how we back away from it. You know, and you, you don't know if 
you know, you let the platforms, you know, want those folks to make those decisions for us. But I mean, they are they going to have to, you know, just to clean it up? And then you start talking about First Amendment. So it's it's a whole thing. But you hope that again, the critical thinking piece, can we figure it out for ourselves and look at it with a little bit more discernible eye? Yeah. When you worked in college athletics, you worked in a world on the administrative side that is largely white in Division One. What were your experiences as a black man? Uh, very interesting. And <laughs> I say that not even thinking of the race part of it, because uh, I'll be honest, I didn't really exactly know what I was getting into. Mm -hmm. um, I just sort of knew like, I, I, I know all about the Valley and you know, I, I know all about Arch Madness and all these things. And this is like, this is a dream job. Like I, yeah. I'm designing these things with logos and like I'm a huge college basketball fan. And then the administrative side and the, the, the behind the scenes you learn about and you're like, oh, there's more to this just, just than just sitting there watching a basketball game. Um, and, and, and I say that in a way of respect because it's, it's legitimate hard work. It's legitimate hard work and the hours and the demand. Mm -hmm. um, but to answer your question, it was unique because um, I never really thought about, you know, doing it as, you know, being an African-American or, or, you know, just I'm in this role. And it was just sort of, I, I know my talent. I know my skill. Um, I want to do the very best I can to make the Valley and the member institutions look the best for the public and do what I can to help promote the brand. Mm -hmm. um, now, over time, and I will say it, probably more because it was pointed out to me, again, my personality, I don't tend to look at the negative. I don't tend to look one way or the other. I tend to not be a boot rocker. I'm a glass half full. Uh, but when people say, you know, Oh, well, you're the, you're the guy that does it for the Valley? I had no idea. You're so professional. Like, I'm so professional. Like, <laughs> what? yeah, you're like, I'm not sure if I should take that in a great way or am I not supposed to be professional? Like, yeah. like prime example, when people find out I was the one tweeting for the Missouri Valley Conference. It's like, yeah, that's me. It's like, Oh, yeah. And, and it really didn't really hit home until I started putting myself on video. Yeah. <laughs> when I started doing interviews with coaches and student athletes. Uh, it, it, it was it was kind of interesting. And then like, again, nothing negative, but you can tell from people's expressions or from their face of, oh, didn't didn't expect that that no. Um, but again, it's it's not a uh, it, it's not an industry, it's not a landscape where there are lots of minorities that are in that role. Yeah. Um, that trend is, it's, it's definitely improved since I've, since I've uh, moved on, especially from, you know, the, the leadership role. I mean, look at the Valley alone and the, the AD chair. I mean, that, that position alone has, has uh, seen more minorities have been elevated there. Um, but I never looked at it in a way that was, you know, I'm one of few until, you know, you start having those interactions. Yeah. But it never, it, it, it never bothered me. Yeah. Um, 
I was more proud of anything because I was doing it for the Missouri Valley Conference. I knew all about it. I knew lots of history, not as much as Mike Kern and Jack Watkins, obviously, uh, but uh, nothing was going to stop me from doing the job that I knew how to do. So for me, it was just a matter of how could I be better than another conference? You know, yeah. how could I set us apart from what conference B is doing and do it differently and more creatively? Um, and I over, now, and again, to put the positive light on it, over time, when people, when I was more out and about and on video, people came, oh, that's, he's, he's the Valley's guy. He's awesome. Like, I'll never forget when, when Creighton left the league and the Big East was getting on its feet and didn't have a staff that were Creighton fans that were tagging my personal account in tweets saying, Big East, hire this guy, hire this guy. I'm like, oh, <laughs> thanks. thanks for that's interesting. But, uh, so, yeah, I mean, again, I just wanted to be known for the work that I did not yeah. work that I did because of, you know, I'm a minority doing the work that that shouldn't matter. Just the same way as I know, like, I know there was a movement with, with females in, in athletics shouldn't matter. If you can do the work, you can do the work. Yeah. That, yeah, I know. It's interesting that, you know, that some of the comments you mentioned they're they're meant clearly they're meant to be compliments, but it's the the present and they're not even they're not even meant to be offensive right um but it's just the presentation of how they're <laughs> delivered and and i obviously can't relate exactly to what you're talking about but i'll give you an example i i used to get a lot especially especially when i was early in my career oh you sure know a ton about sports for being a girl and it's like okay i i think that's a compliment but like right. what what exactly are you saying there <laughs> exactly exactly and and again I, People don't, I don't, I'm almost certain they don't mean harm by no, it, they but they, they get caught in the moment. Like, and this was one, again, and I want to stress, this was one incident where I was, uh, what was I doing? Oh, I, I literally was at Arch Madness and I was going through the concourse trying to get pictures and things like that. And I'd go up to the top and do this and that. And, you know, people would find, you know, they, you, I walked around with my name badge and you look at Portland and everything. And it was, I ran into a fan and said, hey, and it's sort of like, it happens and the conversation happened. It was sort of like, yeah, that probably didn't go the way that he wanted it to go, but it's okay. <laughs> yeah. The Missouri Valley Conference, as we talked about earlier, started the, the One Valley Initiative this summer to attack systemic racism, to promote diversity and inclusion and to advance equality for everyone. As someone who formerly worked for the conference office, how important is the league prioritizing this message and turning it into action? It's very important because it, it takes it into a more of a leadership voice. Uh, and when I say leadership voice, I don't mean like a person, I mean the conference office acting as the leadership voice and the member institutions being able to rally together behind it and help push that message. Um, you know, the, the, the conference office is the structures, the governing, you know, the, the, the presidents, they're the governing body and you have all your committees. And I think back to one of the committees being SAC, the student athletes themselves. And that was always one thing that I always appreciated being a part of that I go to their meeting and I hear their voice and hear how they feel about actions that, that the ADs or the presidents would take. And their voice 
meant something in the Valley because guess what? We're here for the student athletes. Like I know that that term in college athletics gets used a lot. And some people say, yeah, for the student athletes. The Missouri Valley actually does its very best to do it for these student athletes. Like that's evident uh, when I was there, we did surveys and things like that. And the student athletes, the coaches, the administrators all had a voice. Um, and this is sort of in, in a similar fashion, that voice. Um, I, I sort of think back and I remember being able to sit in the administrator meetings and talking about the different staffs across the league about diversity and uh, um, hiring practices and you know being able to find candidates for coaching or on your staff like and not just in coaching positions you know and just other staff positions in in college athletics because diversity isn't just about well we have to have someone to do this diversity is about perspective it's about you know bringing someone that could benefit you because they bring a different perspective um, and I've always appreciated that because Man, I don't know if people realize when I was working at the Valley, like I pretty much had like I had it great. Like I had almost free reign to sort of do my job with, you know, no handcuffs. And oh man, I made a few mistakes, definitely. <laughs> Some questionable things may have gotten tweeted out and whatnot. But, you know, it, it, it wasn't like run this by me before you do it. It was we trust you. You know, we know what you can do. Do what you can do. Um, so that that was that was what I was tasked with, uh, as I'm sure several others have that same boat in other you know institutions, other conferences, whatever it might be. Mm -hmm. um, but I think what people miss out on the benefit of having people from different backgrounds, not just minorities, not just African American, but all, all across the spectrum of what what they could bring to the table. Um, I, I will tell this interesting story, and I'm not sure if, if folks at the Valley even know it or remember it, but before I even got hired there, uh, gosh, back in 2000, this might be 2003 or four, um, I had graduating college in 2002, December 2002, and I had a job, I came and worked, full-time job, and it was just a get out of college, find a job so you can start to pay bills for yourself kind of job. Yeah. And then about 10 months later, I found a job that was more with my degree. And I did that for actually before it was before this was before that I that was so in, in that in that between era, uh, the time frame of that job that get out of college job, I'm like, okay, I gotta I've got to do something different here. <laughs> I uh, drove down to 1818 Shoto mm -hmm. and knocked on the door and said, hey, I don't know if you guys are hiring, but I'm really interested. I love sports. I'm a Missouri State grad. Here's my resume. And I'm almost certain that led to nothing. <laughs> I'm almost certain I just sort of dropped it off and was like, eh, I have no idea. Don't know if they actually have openings, but you know, it's a place I wanted to work. Yeah. And I just, you know, that's what's what you want to do. And it wasn't until that was like what 2003 you know, seven years later, 2010, that I actually do see a legitimate job opening that I apply for and, you know, the rest is history. Um, but I don't know if, you know, when, when people see a resume and they see a name, 
what do you know? What do you think? You don't know who's behind that unless you look them up, unless you, you know, do the research. Um, and that's one thing that I often do give pause about, uh, you know, in the job search for people, because I hear from folks all the time, like, you know, I'm, I'm applying for jobs and I want to work in college athletics and I know you have the background. How do I get a foot in the door? And I often think like, man, when I was like, when I had my periods in life of looking for a job, do people look you up and do they actually see, or do they, are you just a piece of paper? And, and if they do look you up, are you dismissed because you're a person of color? I, I often wondered that. And, you know, again, I always tell myself I'm glass half full, but that can't help it, but they have that sneak into my head. Yeah. Um, but the, the diversity piece in college athletics, it's so crucial. A, because think about the student athletes. Think about the number of student athletes that are uh, uh, of minority, of African-American descent, uh, or you know, any other minority, not just African-American. Yeah. They're the ones on the field, on the court, performing for the uniform that represents the team and represents the conference. But on the flip side of it, are there people that look like them that represent them in the administrative space? that understand when they have a challenge, someone that they can talk to. Um, that's one thing that I always sort of wondered about. Um, and that's why I'm, I, I'm appreciative of there being more of those voices uh, in the AD chair at the Valley. Uh, you see more administrators like that and, and hopefully that can continue to grow. Yeah. You work in education now as director of marketing for the Wentzville School District. There obviously have been <laughs> numerous challenges presented by COVID for schools, for teachers, for their, the students and for their families. What would you want people to know about the role of education when it comes to navigating a global pandemic, navigating race and social justice and navigating domestic terrorism? Oh man, <laughs> that's, that's a loaded question because my, perspective in these last three years that I've been in my position I don't I'm not a different person by any means but being around even younger like for it, it was great like I really appreciated getting to know student athletes and going to this like I said going to the SAC the student athlete uh advisory committee meetings uh and that was one thing that I just sort of was like man I would any way I can help that group that's great because I love interacting with them and that's translated for me now that uh, I, I've been around high school kids and I'm doing something unique that it, for us, it's not something that a lot of school districts have, uh, someone in my position. Yeah. So uh, I, I'm, I'm super grateful for the opportunity. I'm super grateful to sort of be just, to sort of make just a small, a very small difference because it, it blows me away. Like the simple thing of me showing up at a basketball game with my camera and the kids get super excited. But it's not just about me showing up there to take the pictures. I do it because I wanna be supportive of them. I do it because my role as director of marketing is to have businesses interact with our district to see the special things that are happening and use that as a promotional tool that in the end, the end of it can financially benefit what our kids need, what our kids would like to do to help them you know, have things that they may not be able to get. Um, in the pandemic, it's it's been interesting. Uh, I, I've seen a lot of different sides of, 
of people, some that have handled it super gracefully, some that have handled it really, really well, some that have struggled. And you do your best to help those that are struggling. You do your best to say, hey, guess what? We're here for you and let us know what we can do. But then you have those that, you know, they got to have it their way or the highway, but you still have to show that grace. You still have to show that their kids being in your school building, it, it matters. You're doing what you, what you can to take care of them. Um, so it's, it's, it's been a challenge. And, and I'm saying that as someone that's, I'm not a classroom teacher at all, um, but I do know that I've sort of built these relationships that uh, I can assist in a small way with a few of the classes because of my background, because of my experiences. Um, and the kids have an interest in it, especially like you'd be surprised how many kids say, you worked in sports? Why'd you quit? That's a great job. And it's like, well, you know, it's ease up now. Don't make me feel too bad. Um, but being able to share the story, being able to share the background and hopefully to set them up for success, to want to have a career in graphic design or college athletics or whatever it is, um, they sort of have someone that they can talk to and ask. So part mentor, part marketing person, part graphic design assistant. It's, it's been a couple of different roles. Um, the social justice piece, um, it's been interesting from the standpoint of, I haven't had a ton of interaction with kids about that. It's been more about um, our administrators, our principals. Um, I'm really honored that our district is taking a little bit more of a role to talk about diversity, to talk about uh, how we could be change agents for the greater good so that kids know um, it's not just all negativity in the world. And there are ways to find the positive in people despite what you see on television or read on social media, because we know kids are all over social media. That's all they do all, all day long. And they may be on a different profile, but guess what? They're seeing the same things. How we communicate with them is what's super important. Mm -hmm. um, and those conversations have been starting with uh, our administrators. I was part of, of, of a, uh, a virtual meeting and they put us into breakout groups online and we're talking about our backgrounds and I'm there with one of our other administrators and one of our other principals. And, and it, was, it was almost like a get to know you session because even though I've, I've been there for three years, I, I, I know pretty well our principals. I, those are the folks I interact with the most, especially at the high school level. Um, but they didn't know my complete background. They didn't know that I you know, grew up in this part of town or that part of town and where I went to college and what my experience was well, everyone knows where I went to college, but what my experience was at college, yeah. um, and, and we get to talk about those things, and they, they asked me how I felt and, and what it's like, and they say, man, I didn't know it was like that, and then that, again, that goes back to that listening piece, that perspective piece, so um, again, they are not easy discussions, yeah. but uh, man, our administrative team is so awesome, and it, it, it's great. And that's one thing I, again, I'm married to a teacher too, but people that care about other people's kids that are not theirs, that's a special breed of person. And my level of respect for, for educators at all levels, all levels, K-12, college, university, you name it, technical school, my level of respect for them is on a totally different level now because of the care and the mindfulness, the consideration they give to their job, because their job is affecting so many lives. 
uh, and, and young lives, not just those that are out now, but those that might be the next political figure, the next city administrator, the next mayor. Um, and they get it, man. I mean, I can't stress you enough. They just absolutely get it. That's so good to hear. Derek, you and your wife got some really exciting news uh, in the last couple of months, and you are expecting your first child, uh, a baby boy, in the spring. So first of all, congratulations. Uh, I know I speak on behalf of the Valley that we're all so thrilled for, for you both. When you sit down with your son, if it's 20 years from now, what do you think you will tell him about this time that we are living in? That's a really good one. Um, well, I've never really thought about it. For one, because the fact of being a father is gonna be like so new and like those are conversations that we'll be having. Um, yeah, I don't know. I mean, I guess I, I look back to like when, you know, my parents and my wife's grandmother, like I talked about how she, you know, went through, she was in the thick of the civil rights movement and, and, and minorities getting the right to vote and how she talks about it. Um, I hope I'm talking about someone or, or a group or people that were change agents for the better and did it so that his life could be better. The same way that people before me did it so that I have the opportunities that I have uh, and that continues. Um, of course, we're in the thick of it right now. So how it plays out, what the outcome becomes, will probably play a role in, in how that discussion goes. Um, I, can, I can tell you this, because the, the way that my, myself and my wife are, uh, she's, a, she's a social studies teacher. So she, she's a brutally honest, and lay it on the line. I mean, if it's in the history book, it's in the history book. And, yeah. and she has her feelings about things. I have my feelings about things. Sometimes we line up, sometimes we don't. Um, but we both know um, we're, we're hopeful that he will be able to sort of ask the right questions and continue to do that because there's nothing, there's nothing wrong with asking questions. There's nothing wrong with, again, that goes back to that being informed. Um, when people don't ask and just assume, well, that's not right because you don't know how that person's feel feeling or how that turned out. If you ask, yeah, it, that may conjure up some feelings from the past, but you'll be informed. You'll you know you'll you'll have an understanding of what it was like back then, twenty years ago, and in twenty twenty when we thought it was all coming. You know, democracy was dying, but just like the United States is, we figure out a way and we can turn the corner and, and it didn't, and it became stronger, you know, that maybe that becomes the conversation. Um, yeah, I, I hope he's inquisitive. I hope he's, he's asking, you know, everything, you know, just, you know, I mean, and, and I'll admit that's, <laughs> that wasn't always sort of uh, my mentality to ask. I sort of was always a, a research and research of my own and then figure it out. But, um, being on the Valley staff was one of those where we talk things out and we problem solve, you asked a question. <laughs> um, that, was, that was sort of my first year there on the staff was like, I didn't know what I was getting myself into working Arch Madness, yeah. but I figured it out by asking questions. And again, it's the same way my, my, my uh, position now, 
I didn't know anything about the inner workings of a school district, uh, but the collaboration, being, being able to ask the questions was key in me being able to have any kind of success, but I also had to put myself out there and, and, and be visible to say, hey, I'm trying to figure this out. How do I do this? What's the best way of doing this? Who do I talk to? So again, it's that asking questions piece. So um, again, I'm positive. I'm looking forward to him getting, getting here. And uh, when he starts talking, it, it could get interesting. <laughs> <laughs> it could get very interesting. Well, we can't wait for the pandemic to be over so we can be meet him officially in person. <laughs> I, I'm very sure he will uh, definitely, hopefully in uh, in 2021 or 2022, yeah. could make his very first uh, trip to, uh, to Arch Madness and uh, be there to, to see it all with his own eyes. As we sort of land this plane, I want to to close with a question that I actually, I stole, I came across it and stole it from President Obama um, from when he, back when he was a community organizer. And so he used to ask, how would you describe your world as it is now and how you'd like it to be? Oh, wow, that's a great question. Um, my world as it is now, my <laughs> individual world, I think, it's stable, but you don't know what others think. But I tend to not worry about what others think. I can't control things I can't control. Mm -hmm. So I do my best to stay as steady as balanced as I can. Um, you can drive yourself nuts if, if you're worrying about things that you can't control. Um, the world as I like it to be, or the, I would like it to be a more tolerant, a more understanding and compassionate world. Uh, I think far too often people are worried about things that they can't control, things that they quite honestly shouldn't control and they want to control them. That's where you get into trouble. And that's where you find yourself uh, stressed, uh, find yourself you know, in, in situations that you don't need to be in. You know, when, when you don't get the answer that you want, you know, that's not how life always works. Uh, sometimes you gotta figure out a way to play nicely with others, um, and and I, I hope we can find a way <laughs> in this world to play nicely with each other. Yeah. Derek, is there anything that I haven't asked you that you want to share or add? <sighs> yeah, I don't, I, I I definitely want to say I, I appreciate I've been following along with what you guys have been doing, and it's it's been great to hear it because so often the the the, vo the voices of student athletes and coaches are just left to be just that just student athletes and coaches and in in the college athletics space there's few and I, I'll include the the BCS not just uh, Missouri Valley leagues but so few and I don't think people really really understand how few end up being professional athletes these folk, these kids are going on to be uh, have careers in everything else. Uh, I, I keep up with several of the other kids from SAC on Facebook and on Twitter, and they are now athletic trainers, and they're physical therapists, and they're lawyers. And I mean, I'm, I'm just thinking in my head of some of the kids that I've connected with that were on SAC, and those are their careers. I'm like, man, that, 
that kid was a golfer at Missouri State and now he's working in a law office in Kentucky. Like that's 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 what's uh, I've been able to sort of see develop. Um, and this whole series, and it's, I, I, I don't hate to say the word humanized because we're human, but that's, you know, that's what's happening. Like the coaches aren't just coaches. They have a life, they have a family and their families might be doing something. We don't know where they came from. We don't know what they've been through. Their background, their perspective matters. Uh, so to hear it from them uh, is, a, is, a, is a really awesome thing. To hear it from the administrators is a really awesome thing because again, people that have those voices, people that are in those positions, um, it goes a long way because you know we, we look up to those figures we can look up to those people regardless of what their position are, what they do, but they're, they're who they are. You know, they're, if you're the head basketball coach at you know, school XYZ and kids wanna play for you and you, you know, tweet funny things, people like you. And guess what? The more and more people like you, the more and more people will listen to what you say and you have an ear of people and could say something that could make a difference. So um, there are things being said in this series that are making a difference, regardless how, of how small or how large they are, but it's important that people can hear the things um, um, going forward. So yeah, I, I appreciate all the work that everyone's doing and uh, uh, I'll always uh, be following along uh, for as long as the Valley uh, keeps things going forward. Thank you for the kind words and, yeah, that's by, by design. They're in, intentionally not sticking to sports, so to say, because they're much more than student athletes and coaches. They're husbands, their wives, their mothers, their daughters, their sons, you know, their, their friends, their brothers. And they have a, a platform and a voice and they, they have the opportunity to use it. Absolutely. Absolutely. That's what it's all about, using that voice for good. Well, great to see you. Thank you so much again. Yeah, no problem.